podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Hail West Virginia podcast by the Raspy Voice Kids. I'm Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. And I am J.N. Fiend, Jeremy Phoenix, also uh, beside him. We are going to be talking about lots of good stuff. Like always, we're going to talk about the difference between a woman or man who is attractive versus whether or not they are hot. Are they the same thing? What's the difference? Is there a difference? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Camping World Bowl, the Dana Holgerson transition, who should replace him, what we think about the bowl situation in the national championship perspective or the view, Alabama versus Clemson yet again. And, of course, all things in between, get a little basketball action in, a bit of a review of the Lehigh game, and what we can expect going forward for the Mountaineers. Either way, buckle up because it's the Raspberry Voice Kids, and it's finna go down. Hey everyone, Jordan Taikuri here. So, I just want to let you all know that this episode is going to sound a little bit weird. With the new setup we're going with, uh, Brandon and Jeremy are both holding microphones, and somehow, during the process of recording this last episode, Jeremy's microphone somehow became disconnected from the cable. So, during this episode, you're going to hear Jeremy mostly in the background of all the segments, so please bear with us as we get all these technical difficulties figured out in upcoming episodes. This shouldn't happen again, hopefully. Thank you. We're going to jump right in. Again, Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. Jeremy J.N. Fiend Phoenix to my left. I always keep a hitter to the left of me. Like right, we ain't in the right. streets more than Sesame. Right. Yeah, Parkerstown know what's up. <laughs> <laughs> but right now, Jeremy brought up a question we decided we would do for pop culture. You guys know we always like to talk about at least one subject that has nothing to do with sports, certainly nothing to do with West Virginia. This applies to anybody from any age group, from any time period. There's always been a scale of hotness from 0 to 10. Always. We all know it. 10 is the hottest, 0 is the least. What we often have trouble deciphering, especially between men and women, is whether or not a person is hot versus whether or not they are attractive. Two very, very different things that people get twisted all the time. Are they very different? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, so what are. is so then what is your perspective on the difference between whether a person is hot and whether a person is attractive? Excuse me, they're not very, very different, but they are different. Okay. Like, you can be beautiful, you can be hot, that falls under attraction. But being attracted to somebody doesn't necessarily mean they have to be fine or beautiful. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Like, if somebody, if you think somebody's beautiful, for me, I think that's God-given. When I think about that, I think of, you know, somebody with beautiful eyes or, 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 or cheekbones or the smile. That is beautiful to me. Something that's God-given. Um, hot is something that's more, uh, more, more of a primal nature. We'll go primal nature. <laughs> very, but being attractive, the very meaning of attractive, attraction is something that draws you. Yeah. You don't have to be fine. You don't have to be beautiful. It could be that you're super sweet. It could be that you're super nice. It could be just anything, your style, the way you wear your clothes, your smell. It's whatever attracts you. Whatever attracts you can make that person attractive. Yeah, for some people it's racism. Some people it's money. No, whatever. There's all kinds of things that decide what's attractive to you. It is not specific. I mean, the thing is, it's very specific to the person. So what I always say, what I think about, and I was doing a little bit of research to see if my thoughts were the same. And one of the things somebody said is, a person who is hot, you notice them as soon as you walk in the room. I'll give it that. Okay. As soon as you okay. walk in the room, it's kind of like what dad would always say about sports. He would always say, don't tell me who the top prospect is. I should be able to pick him out as soon as the game starts, Amen. even before the game. That's good. So, like, That's I good. went and saw Oscar Schwebe. 
recruit for West Virginia? And somebody was like, do you know what he looks like? I was like, yes, but even if I didn't, I should know immediately which one he is. And I did. He looked like a man amongst boys, same way LeBron did in high school. So when I think of a woman as being hot, she gets my attention right away. That does not, for me, a hot woman is not necessarily beautiful. But there's something striking or stunning about her appearance that gets my attention. When I think about attractive, attractive, like you said, is all-encompassing. And there are things that draw me to a person that may not draw you to a person. True. Um, a sense of humor is a big deal for me. Uh, a good, kind heart, somebody who actually cares about other people, who cares about me, and you know they care about you, they ask you about you, um, that's attractive to me. And a woman who smells good, good gracious. If she's got that Ralph Lauren, Ralph Lauren, uh, blue, light blue. <laughs> Let's go back. What was in junior high? You know what it was in junior high. Oh, I mean, you were in junior high. I was in high school by then. Victoria's Secret love spell. Love spell. Look, man. It's a hey, you want to get a Phoenix boy trap? Put that love spell on. Uh, but it's you know I'm a little past that now. But you know what I mean. It's a good memory. It's a good memory, and it still brings back those memories. I, I notice it, and women will be like, "How do you know what that is?" I'm like, "It's my job to know what that is." But yeah, so so it's always there's always those kinds of those differences. Um, but to me, the biggest the biggest thing that came to my mind when you brought this question up is how women answer this question differently than men. It is funny. So I'll say, I'll say like, do you think he's hot? And, those, and a girl will say, no, he's such a jerk. He's, he's at, you. That's not what you're asking. That's not what I asked you. You, you did not ask that question. They immediately start talking about their personality. They immediately start talking about whether or not they are attractive, which is different than what I asked you. I asked, is he hot? So I'm asking you physically. Is his bone structure, is the way he's built, is his hair, his eyes, whatever it is, do you think he's hot? I didn't ask you if he should win uh, Man of the Year. No, you know what they kind of, you just said that, you know what it reminds me of? People who can't separate their emotions. So, back in the day with Barry Bonds. Yeah. Steroids, they hated uh, Barry Bonds. Allegedly. Allegedly. They tried to act like he was the best player in baseball. Look, if you don't like him, that's fine. Don't act like when he comes to play, you'd rather see anybody else. That you wouldn't rather see anybody else. Yeah, or like let's let's get off the sports thing because we always talk about that. It's like it's like so somebody might not like a human being. He might be a bad person, but he's good at making money, right? So you there's basic facts. Yeah. So you look okay. The guy made thirty million dollars last year. He's a jerk, but is he good with money? Yeah. The answer is yes. Okay. And so that's how I, that's how I view. so when I ask you the question, when I ask a woman the question, it's always this fight. And like you said, they can't separate their emotions. Their emotions get involved. It's a problem in life in general. And I'm going to tell you straight up, like, I'm not the, I don't always have the highest emotional IQ, but when it comes to deciding whether a woman is attractive or hot, how I feel about her never gets in the way. I can tell you, people I hate, I can tell you if they're, if they're hot or, or not. Doesn't mean I want them to be my girlfriend. I'm not sure, because back in the day, there was this one girl, and you know the story. She kind of did me dirty. It wasn't even a big deal. It was just over a dance of her making up some weird faces. Bang, <laughs> you just... I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. You got to play me. Look, if you don't want to dance, just say you don't want to dance. Just say you don't want to dance. Move your face away from me. Like, I got to be honest. Like, I just never experienced that. So I'm just have to take your word for it. I'm just have to take your word for right, it. Right? I had a hard time separating. Because every time my name came up, I was like, oh, I hate it. She's so dumb. She's so ugly. Man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. She knows she was fine. Nothing but fine. Straight up fine. And smell good. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to show you about attraction. I had a homegirl, which I will not name right here, and she wasn't beautiful. She wasn't, I wouldn't even consider her really cute, but she was so sweet and so fun and so, that all my friends were like, she's attractive because her personality just drew you to her. Yeah. Not that she was fine, but she was attractive. 
Her personality, her sweetness made her very attractive. So the question for you is... (laughs) (laughs) Intelligence is a big deal for me, too. I like to be able to have an intelligent conversation. Even if I don't agree with you, I I need to be able to respect your thought process. That's a big deal to me. But that's what we think. So what do you think? Like always, YouTube, put a comment. Instagram, make a comment because we're going to put it up. Probably make a poll on Twitter, Facebook, get at us, tweet at us, text at us, DM us, whatever you got to do. Let us know how do you view the question of hot versus attractive. And as always, the Raspberry Voice Kids are brought to you by Swill Dog, the finest hard cider in all of the land, Shrinkables, Sandwich You, the king of the fat sandwich. Astork Auto of Charleston, the finest automotive dealer in the entire state of West Virginia. When you want class, when you want luxury, when you want to be treated well, Jamie Spears is the man with the plan at Astork Auto. And of course, the international world traveler, the quintessential businessman, Mr. Jim Ashley. You'll hear him later in the month. So get at us. Next segment. Rap me, boys! Astorg Auto of Charleston is West Virginia's premier automotive luxury dealer. We sell Land Rover, Jaguar, Mercedes-Benz, Volvo, and Audi brands. We also have a wide variety of pre-owned luxury cars at our store on Corridor G. Our service department also goes the extra mile and aims to exceed your expectations. We offer free pickup and delivery on service appointments to make your life easier. Come experience a new level of service. Astorgado of Charleston, a tradition of automotive excellence. Learn more at astorgado.com. It's time to get back into the saddle and talk about West Virginia football. This is the, basically the wrap-up. We're going to talk about the Camping World Bowl. Um, for all intents and purposes, it was not pretty. And so we as the Raspy Voice Kids, me being I Also Hate Pit, a.k.a. Brandon Phoenix, joined by... JNP. I was going to say Kid Be Smooth, but that ain't even my name, though. That's what I'm sitting beside. Yeah. You caught me off guard, son. <laughs> sitting in my thoughts. Yep, go ahead. Yep. Go ahead. It's Jerry Phoenix. It's Jerry Phoenix. <laughs> We're talking about the Camping World Bowl. The reason we're talking about the Camping World Bowl, everybody talked about how the game didn't matter, right? <laughs> then Greer's leaving. Kajust doesn't play. Gary Jennings gets hurt. Um, Marcus ends up getting hurt not long before the bowl. And so people kept saying the bowl game didn't matter. It wasn't the bowl we wanted to be in because we weren't in the Big 12 championship. We didn't make a New Year's Six. We definitely didn't make a playoff. And then we didn't even make it to the Alamo Bowl. So people were really down on this bowl. But after the game, I left feeling, I felt dejected in a way that it's been a long time that I felt that way about Mountaineer football. I agree. And people said, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought you guys said the game didn't matter. The first thing I'll say is, a person like Will Greer or Yadni Kajust making a business decision, a financial decision for them and their family, is not the same as a fan base or a team who's going forward, who's making, um, trying to make, build a program, make an identity, figure out who you are, what you have. Those are two very different things. So it may not be worth it for Will or Yadni to yeah, play. It's true. But it's very important for us to see what Jack Allison can do. It's very important for us to get to see um, how Alex Stinkfield plays in a bowl game or how Letty Brown. So this is the cherry. It's not even the cherries. This is all the hard work in the year. This is the final game you get to get to watch your college football team for an entire year. It's important to me. And you get to see the receiving core. For me, it was a big deal to see what do we really have. What do we have? Because Will Greer being there doesn't tell us what we had last year. So that's why the game was important to me. We went from being seven and a half point favorites to three-and-a-half-point dogs by the time the game started. That's a big swing. It's one of the biggest swings, I believe, in bowl game history. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that the players didn't play, but we were not supposed to win this game. So you were dejected. Why were you dejected? Well, I want to say this first. Syracuse, again, Syracuse was a nine-win team. They averaged 40-plus points 
per Great game. on offense, absolutely. So I, I wasn't going to be upset if we lost. I was more interested in how did we look. So I feel like people in general, but I'm aware of our fan base just because that's who I interact with, yeah, yeah, yeah. are far more interested in results than process. And the reason I don't agree with that is because process will yield results more consistently than, than a good process will yield good results Absolutely. more consistently than having good results despite having a bad process. Absolutely. So when I went to the game, I wanted to see you've got a four-star quarterback who's got all the measurables. He's six foot six. He was recruited by Alabama, amongst others. He signed with Miami, then transferred to us. He'd been the scout team champion the year before. The coaches talked all season about how much they liked him, how much they trusted him, how good the program was going to be with the with him having the keys to the car for the next season. He had four weeks, an entire month to practice with the first string guys. And this is not like this is not like last year where we had Chugs. Don't get me wrong, shout out to Chugs, but Chugs was not the caliber of recruit coming in. No, he wasn't a four star. He wasn't a blue that chip Jack, recruit. So so there Jack, was Cap, so, so we had a different feeling going into this so game. I this won- wasn't like when we were playing Utah. We all came in with, with higher hopes. So I fully expected to see a prepared and accurate quarterback who understood how to run the offense. And what I saw was not that. I saw a guy who missed wide open players, who looked like he was afraid of the moment, as if he was playing in a national championship game. I saw a guy who could not be consistent, who threw for, I believe, less than completed less than 50% of his passes, um, who was not mobile. Now, one thing I will say is the offensive line had probably their worst game of the season, so that did not help him. Uh, yeah. But his receivers got open. People got upset with Dana. People got upset with Dana, but as far as play calling is concerned, he put people in position to be open. Yes. Jack couldn't hit him. Not consistently, anyway. That, that, that concerned me greatly. We could not put together consistent offensive drives. And if there's anything about Dana Holgerson, it's that he's, a, he's an offensive guru. So when you get into a game like that, you had a month to prepare and you don't have your guys ready, there's a problem. So I immediately thought, there's a problem. That's why when I left the game, I made that video and I said, something has to change. It has to change. The way I felt was, before the game, when we were going to the bowl game, I wasn't super excited. When I realized that Jack was going to be starting, then I got excited for all the things Brandon mentioned. Here's his quarterback. Here's our future. Let's see what we have. Let's see if we can go get him. And the sad truth was, what I saw was the same thing that I've seen every time that, that Will Greer has not been in the game. Like you said, we weren't super sharp. And here, I, look, I'm not hating. I'll be for real. I get it. Some quarterbacks come in. This is his first time. There's a lot of pressure. Bowl game. You have all the stuff on your shoulders. Sometimes you throw a little inaccurate. My problem is, like, your what your problem was, he was inaccurate the entire game. Doesn't mean he, he can't be accurate next year. That doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that he's... Yeah, and this is mean, does not mean he's a lost cause. Somebody's like, you're giving up on him after the bowl game? No, I'm not giving up on him. I'm saying that he should have been better in that and game. we're disappointed. We're allowed to be disappointed. Yes. And, and, and by the way, this is a, this is a tip of the cap to Jack Allison. The reason why you're disappointed is when you get your hopes up. I, I, I really thought that he was going to come light it on fire. Now, that didn't happen. It could happen next year. Yeah, he's got a spring and a summer and then in a fall and competition in between. Absolutely. Him and Trey Lowe battling it out. That's another point. I want to see more Trey Lowe. Is Trey Lowe just not that advanced? Was it, was it like a little you know ruse of, oh, well, we don't know who we're going to start? Because the truth is, when Jack wasn't getting it done in the third quarter, excuse me, I'll say the offense. When the offense wasn't getting it done through the third quarter, I thought, hey, we're going to see a little bit. you got to remember, we averaged four yards a carry. So you can't say the offense wasn't getting done because we were running the ball. That's true. It- and then we didn't, we didn't get real, you know, it's like we forgot about David Sills for a large portion of the game. The other thing I'll say is, 
you say that, yes, you're a backup and you come in eyes wide, wide like you're a deer in the headlights, but that didn't happen with Iowa State's program. I, I, look, two, years, two years in a row they've had backups come in I, and win games, beat I, Oklahoma. I, saying, I can see how people would say that, and I, and I get that. And, and the reason I went with Iowa State, this is all coming – Chris Hall and I had this whole conversation. The reason I went with Iowa State is because you could say the same thing about Alabama. But no, I will say the difference is with Iowa State, quarter, the Iowa State quarterback, he could actually run, which makes a huge difference. Okay, so well, we'll get to that in a second. I would have said Alabama because you had last year Tua comes in for Hurts. Yeah, yeah, this year, Hurts comes in for Tua. It's not the same situation, yeah, yeah, okay? Clemson, same thing. Kelly Bryant goes out. But still, all I'm telling you is real programs, real programs. You're not talking about real programs. You're talking about elite. Elite of the elite. Ohio State, the same way. Okay. But like I said, Iowa State did the same thing. What 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 did what did Baylor do to us last year when their starting quarterback went out? Like my cousin Vinny. Yeah, Iowa State holds water. Okay? <laughs> yeah. And by Baylor holds water too, because yeah, when Charlie Brewer came in, Charlie Brewer came in and he came. I mean, this is not complicated. You can look at other programs where the backup is ready. But 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 I will say in those two games, they come in not expected to do anything. So what? There's no expect you know, because the expectations are different. Middle of the game, quarterback comes in, there's no pressure. It doesn't I, matter. I don't or, I don't I don't agree that there's no pressure. I don't or, agree that there's no pressure. Baylor, Baylor. Your team was down a bunch. There's no and also, Iowa State, the thing with Iowa State is he did have a week uh, last year. I can't remember who it was, but he had a week to prepare before they went to Oklahoma. And by the way, I, I kind of agree with you. I'm just playing devil. No, I hear what you're saying. So then, so, But that takes us to our next point of all the stuff you're saying. Jack Allison's not working. We're told we're going to see Trey Lowe and Jack Allison. <laughs> Jack Allison threw 34 passes. I believe Trey Lowe threw three, two. Yeah, yeah. Man, I, I don't know if he did or not. So, so that that didn't make any sense to me. I thought we were going to get a chance to see Trey Lowe run the offense. Well, well, here's the thing. That's my thing, and and I'm not saying he's not. But was it just like you know a facade? Like he's just not that. Not 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 that. Not that but even it, but do you know there are players who practice who play better than they practice? That's true. And that, that to me, this game was a game you're not favored. The fan base wasn't expecting you to win. Why would you not give Trelo an, an opportunity? The other thing that's weird to me, as we're talking about Trelo, okay, fine. You don't you don't trust him to run the offense. Okay. Why is Kennedy McCoy running the Wildcat instead of Trelo? Maybe he knows the plays. Why does Trelo not know the plays after a month? Oh, year. He's been in the system a whole year. Yeah. But let's say the Wildcat. Well, yeah. let's say the Wildcat was implicated or uh, was um, implicated into the offense. I was gonna say I don't know how big Trelo is, but he looks. He know. Yeah, he's not small. Trelo's not small. Maybe maybe they felt that McCoy. But but when McCoy's when McCoy runs a wildcat, you know he's not throwing. I don't know. Maybe in practice he 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 fumbled a couple snaps. Jeremy, all I'm telling you is that was your time to see what you had, and 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 we didn't and we did not evaluate it. I'm playing devil's advocate. I agree. And that's why I had a problem. So people were like, "Oh, you go from this to that." It's because I did not get what I was expecting. So what do you feel about? And I want that's what I was just about to say. What are you going to say about the defense? Because every time, all right, there's a there's there's a portion of Mountain Nation who's tired of Tony Gibson. That is not us. We love the man for Ben. We love him. How did you feel watching that game, that defense? Look at how our defense attacked him in the first half. We had five sacks in the first half. We had an interception in the first half. We And when we didn't sack him, we were after him nonstop. He threw two interceptions. We, we held them um, to five of 14 on third down. We uh, held them to a 2.1 or 2.7 yards per carry, I believe, rushing the ball. Um... And we held them to 14 points at halftime. And this, is again, is an offense that averaged 40-plus points a game. So when I look at that, I say the defense is doing their job. The other thing I'll say about whether or not the defense was doing their job is 
It's really hard to play defense when your offense is not putting together uh, sustained drives to keep them off the field and keep them refreshed, especially if you're going to have an aggressive Tony Gibson defense, which is what everybody says they want. So we blitz and we pursue and we put a lot of pressure on our team, and then the offense doesn't stay on the field so they can rest. And so as you saw, as the game went on by the third quarter, that's when the game got out of hand. Even their biggest play, we actually had him sacked, and he throws up a prayer and he gets caught. It is a broken play, essentially. He runs across the field. We miss tackles, which I've already said I don't like the way our players tackle in the secondary. Um, but overall, I thought, Tony, we, you know, we held a team under their average again. I don't know how you can look. Somebody, I saw somebody on Facebook saying, how do you keep a guy who gives up 50 points a game? And I was like, we don't give up 50 points a game. Go look at the stats. We don't give up 50 points a game. We held Oklahoma under their scoring average. Because, yes, they had 56, uh, 59. 14 of those 59 were on the offense. We're on, directly on our offense, not on the defense. Again, Syracuse averages 40-plus a game. We held them to 34 points. That's he, what, that's you, if you hold a team under their average, you can't look at the defensive coordinator and say he didn't do his job. I will say... That's why I felt. I felt like. And also, by the way, Syracuse is not playing group of five competition. No, so, so, so if you're looking at it saying, well, we should hold them to less, they're not playing group. They're playing power five football and they average 40 plus. And we held them under that average. I'm not telling you that Tony Gibson is Nick Saban on defense. No, 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 I'm just telling you, stop with the saying that he should be fired, that he's garbage. It's not true. And, and you know, I don't think that either. Matter of fact, I looked at it. We gave up, what, 17, 18 points in the third quarter. Our team was in it if our offense would have done something. Anything. If they could have put pressure on that def- I mean, on the other offense by putting up points. But they didn't help our defense out at all. But I will say this. So I'm on Facebook, I believe. Maybe it's Twitter. And somebody says something about Gibby needs to go. And I'm like, you clearly didn't watch the game. Didn't watch the game. And then he responded with, "If you think you clearly didn't watch the game if you think 34 points is acceptable. And what I thought was, Brandon, we are man from van guys. We are Tony Gibson dudes. Do you think we are starting to, I don't think the word is acquiesce, or, or, or just become used to mediocrity? No, I, I, and I think what it is is, conf- is I think, well, part of, what, part of what can happen is confirmation bias. So if you think Tony Gibson's bad, you can find the data that will say that for you. Sure. And if you think Tony Gibson's good, you can find the data that will make the argument for you. I'm not telling you that Tony Gibson's a juggernaut. I'm not telling you needs a raise or an extension. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying he's not terrible. He doesn't deserve to be fired. 34 points is less. You said, you said not terrible. Is that what you want at, at your West Virginia University? No, no. I guess what I'm saying is, what I'm, say, what I'm saying is it's really hard to measure defenses when you're playing in the Big 12. That's true. I, mean, I guarantee that Oklahoma would score 30-plus on Alabama, and what did they do? They scored 34, and that includes the fact that they didn't score any. Syracuse, who's an ACC team, just scored 34 as well. Now, I understand you said all this stuff, and I agree with you. I'm saying even Bama's defense gave up 34 is what I'm saying. Yeah, but you're talking about against Big 12 schools. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, But even Bama's defense gives up 34. And Syracuse is has, like, basically a Big 12 offense as far as points. I mean, not a lot of teams averaging 40-plus a game. No, I, I agree. I agree. So that, that's, what, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying. And if you look at defensive efficiency, which has to do with scoring and strength of schedule, Tony Gibson and his defense, his dogs, are 36. They were 36 before that game. And, and that's what I'm saying. So it's not, it's not a mediocrity thing. It's a reality thing. It's reality. It's a reality. It's, 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 with what you have, I feel like he's maximized it. Granted, there's been some games we let down. But for the vast majority of games, his defense comes to play. I feel like there are definitely plays, places where we can improve. Of course. But I feel like we can win championships with Tony Gibson. Yes, and the biggest place. If our offense 
came through when we needed And never forget, we were three points from winning the Big 12 this year. Yeah. Six points from winning 10 out of 11 games this year. Yep. So we look like, we act like the, the sky is falling. Last year, we'd have won 10, probably won 10 games too if Will Greer doesn't go doesn't down. Doesn't go down. So again, people, which is why I don't think Dana deserved to be fired, but he definitely did not deserve an extension. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I'll say this again, going back to Gibby. I think that people need to look at things for what they are. It's like when we start talking about West Virginia, people get upset when I say historically Dana Holgerson and the West Virginia Mountaineers are what the West Virginia Mountaineers have always been. We had four years with Pat White that changed the complexion of West Virginia expectations. And even in those four years, we still lost to South Florida. We still lost a game we won't talk about. We still blew games that we had a chance to win. We still did not maximize the potential, even and at the pinnacle of our success. Yeah. So I just think that people are not as a like I don't I think sometimes we let what we want and what we love emotions get in the way of what is actually there. Yeah. And like I have people try to tell me. You know, like there are people who say, well, we're going to talk about that in a second. This was about the Camping World Bowl. Yeah, yeah. I was proud of our fans. You know, obviously we didn't travel as well as we would have because we lost the last two games of the season. The stars, a lot of the stars weren't playing. And it was a game a game we didn't expect. And a lot of people weren't excited about playing Syracuse. But the ones who were there were loud and proud. And it was fun. Of course, we did a great job as far as tailgating the experience. Yeah. And, I, and I felt like the players played hard. I do. I, I thought- and David Seals played like a man on fire. Like he went out there like he didn't want to do anything but win. I will say, I will say to wrap this up. Um, the offensive line has to get better. Yes. And this is two straight years of not being able to get real push running the ball. Um, I mean, we, I, I think we had a lot of games we played well. Oklahoma especially. I mean, there's a lot of games that the offensive line. I'm not saying I agree with you. The offensive line has got to get better. But that that was a terrible game for the offensive line. In that Camping World game, that bowl game, that was that was a terrible game for I mean, the offensive line. the last few years, I mean, Miami dominated. I mean, they had great defensive line. Yeah. Dominated our offensive line. Syracuse. Beat up all offensive line pretty well, so it's one of the things that we got to make adjustments. We gotta, we gotta figure it out. Gotta figure it out. Yeah, there's a lot. Like I said, something's got to change. There's a lot of things that have has to change. I think one of the biggest thing is horses. You know, we if somehow we can get Doug Nestor or Darnell Wright, who are talking about possibly taking visits, um, and we can somehow convince them. You know, whoever we bring in, as we're going to talk about in a second. That's a big complexion change. If you, the biggest thing is horses. You got to have it's the it's not, it's the Jimmys and Joes. More than it is X's and O's. Because if when, when Gibby has corners, when Gibby has his linebackers and defensive line, we're good. When we're missing six of our seven best linebackers, we're not so good. So when you see Qualls and Ferns back, and you see all the other guys that were out there with um, David Long, we got after the quarterback. So you're right. We've got to have some changes. We've got to have some improvements. But the Camping World Bowl was a disappointment. Nobody was happy. Boosters weren't happy. Shane wasn't happy. Um, and the Razz Voice kids were not happy. Razz Voice! This is Tony Gibson. And you're listening to the Raspy Voice Kids. Back for the next segment, it's Jeremy J.N. Fiend Phoenix. And I am Brandon Phoenix. Some of y'all know me. Most of y'all know me as I also hate Pitt. Don't ever forget, I also hate Pitt. Lowercase p never capitalized her name. But that's not what we're talking about right now. We are talking about what everyone is talking about. Dana Holgerson has accepted a position. Four years, $20 million to become the next head coach at Houston. Dana Holgerson is now a Cougar. It is confirmed. Um, maybe the T's aren't crossed, the I's aren't dotted, but we've known this for days. Yeah, it's, we have it's contacts. People send us messages. They send us DMs or text messages. Boosters, players, coaches, and so even though we we don't break news and we don't tell you, 
doesn't mean that it's not happening. Yeah. And just because it's not official doesn't mean it's not happening. One of the things that happens is we're able to have conversations that some other reporters are not because of their relationship with the university or their relationship with their sources. And we're able to say things. But if you notice, we don't throw stuff out there. But the moment it's confirmed, we'll throw it up there. So what do you think? What are your thoughts? The thing was, I the thing I said in the last segment, I'll continue to say, I never thought Dana should have been fired. I didn't think he was doing a poor enough job or setting the university back. I felt like we were always climbing as far as um, facilities and as far as recruiting. He wasn't doing anything that would put us in danger and needed to be fired. I agree. I agree 100%. Um, however, the moment it came to this extension thing, um, and I'll say this about extensions. Sometimes when a coach is renegotiating, they're not just trying to get more money. Sometimes they're trying to get different clauses in their contracts. Oftentimes they're trying to get more money for assistance, which is important when you look at a guy like Tyrone Carrier, who's just won another award by, the, by Football Scoop for being the best receivers coach in the nation two years in a row, and he's the lowest paid receivers coach in the Big 12. So when Dana goes in, that's part of the negotiation. That's part of the attraction to Houston is he's going to have a large pool of money for assistance. So when you hear coaches negotiating, Houston is bringing it. Sorry, Houston has there's so much oil money in Houston. People don't get it. Yes, that's why, that's why they will never be in the Big Twelve because Texas and well, and Texas Tech do not want that to deal with that monster because it will be a monster. High, rec- I mean, big recruiting pool too. Yeah, I mean, Houston. There's tons of money in Houston, so people talk about it. Houston can compete with us with money. They don't have the TV money we have. They don't have you know conference money we have. But they've got a lot of deep pockets as far as boosters because of where they are. So anyway, so that's the whole negotiation thing. So once the negotiation started, I thought, I don't want Dana extended. I don't want Dana getting any more money. I don't want him getting any more time because he hasn't earned it. And I wasn't upset with him. I like Dana Hogerson. I like him as a coach. I, I, I wrote that the thing about being a fan these last eight years with Dana is it was always exciting. It was. Hey. Save for one season. And even in that season, we beat Oklahoma State when they were highly ranked. You know, and that was our only Dana's only losing season. He had two 10-win seasons in that tenure. He won a BCS bowl game in that tenure. He went 61 and 41. He went 61 and 41, which is second best all-time West Virginia as far as wins. However, he also has the second most losses in the history and of West Virginia football. And he went 2 and 5 in bowl games. He went 2 and 5 in bowl games. You make all excuses but in then the again, world, you but can, there's so many ways to look at it, but again, he, how many of those bowl games did he have a starting quarterback true, for? But a lot of people say 2 and 5 is 2 and 5. 2 and 5 is 2 and 5. I don't necessarily feel that way, but I do think it wasn't good enough. No. And it, and more importantly, it was not good enough for an extension because in our history we don't win ball games so i mean i don't know where we get this white years we did for four years we did but before that and after that we we don't um so i went once the other thing that happened is texas tech the texas tech rumors were bogus to me they sounded so bogus there were so many things on both sides that made it sound bogus and then sources people that i know who would know who i trust told me it was bogus and then the, the, the icing on the cake was, how long was it before Shane Lyons came out and squashed the rumors on Dana to Texas Tech? It was less than 24 hours. The Houston rumor pops up, and I think there's no way he's going to a G5 team because that makes him look bad. He's stepping back. Anything they can offer him, we can offer him. But then there was silence. No word from Dana. No word from Shane. Nothing from WVU in any way. So then I thought, let me reach out. So I start reaching out, and then... It was clear. Yeah, very clear. There, it, it was very was, clear. The reason there was smoke was because there was a big fire. When there's smoke, smoke, there's fire. Always, and, and always. It was immediate. I don't know. what my, my feelings when I heard that Dana was leaving or, or could be leaving, I was surprisingly shocked because 
you know, there, there was no, I mean, I, I don't think I would, I like Dana. I would never have malice towards him, but there's no malice. Like, this was, I heard people saying, oh, this is a Rich Rod move. This is no, not it's Rich not. Rod. This is so much different. I, I legitimately heard that two or three different spots. This, this, this is so much different than Rich Rod. He was not born here. He was not raised here. He did not say, this kid is going to play for West Virginia when he grows older. Yeah, he ne- like, he's never said, I'm not going anywhere like so, Rich Rod did after flirting with Alabama. Absolutely. So with, So when this happened, I was never that upset. My question to you, Brandon, is I needed one word. When you when you think about Dana leaving West Virginia, what's the one word that comes to mind? Reasonable. Okay. I think it's reasonable for both sides. I think that Dana gets the job security he wants. I think that Dana gets to go back to a place he's familiar with as far as the, the administration, as far as the boosters, as far as the recruiting landscape. Um, and I also think that Dana gets to save face from not getting fired by going back to Houston. And Houston, again... If you're going to have a G5 job, it's Houston, UCF, and maybe Memphis, Boise yeah, State. Yeah. I mean, it's the cream of the crop as far as G5. You're there for a couple of years. If you do well, you have your pick of another big-time job. I like that. I like Whether that. it's a job at Texas, whether it's you know another job in the Big 12, Dana puts himself in a good position if he's successful. And he'll have a chance because he gets the first – they play Oklahoma next year. Yeah. Um, so, to me, it's reasonable. And for WVU, it's reasonable because I don't expect – with the Rich Rod thing, I was upset with Eddie Passalong. I felt like that whole administration – um, screwed the pooch, as they would say, dropped the ball totally when it came to negotiations with Rich Rod. And a lot of people, Casaza was on, and he said, but, you know, Rich kept putting them in positions where they had to make a choice. And yeah. finally, they're like, we're done with this. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't do that with a guy who's winning at the level that Rich Rod was, who was recruiting at the level that yes. Rich Rod was, who was about to get a Terrell Pryor number one prospect in, in the country. That, you don't you, you do what it takes to keep them. It's like a beautiful woman who also is an heiress. You do what it takes to keep her. I don't care what her attitude's like. And even if she has an indiscretion or two, okay? So to me, it was reasonable on both sides when West Virginia said, hey, Dana, we like you, but we don't love you. You know, we like you, but we can live without you. You've done a good job, but we've got people that can come in and do as well, if not better, than what you've done and for less money. Thank you. Next. That's what I'm so happy for my ex. Look, we appreciate everything you did. Yeah. Wish you the best. Yeah. And I put in a post, I said, I wish you the best in Houston, just not better than us. Yeah. And that's exactly how I feel. And you know what? You, you know what my word is for this? What is it? What is it? Casual. Casual. I was so surprised. and I was just so casual when I heard it. You know what it felt like to me? It felt like the, like, like the dude you know at the park. You're going to play ball. He's a good baller. You know him. You're kind of friends in high school. Um, you pick him up on your squad. You run a few games. You win four or five games. You lose. And at the end, what do you do? You dap him up. You're going to go get another squad, try to get the better squad to win. But you, you have no ill will towards the dudes. You dap him up. It was so casual to me. That's the way it feels. Like, I have no I, – I, I like Dana. I do not have those heartstring attachments. No, no, no. And I was surprised by that. Because before – if you just told me four weeks ago – Exactly me, where I was going. I would I would have felt, you know, heartfelt of we need to say he's building a program. He's doing this. He's doing that. And now I, I feel ultimately casual, and I'm like, okay, let's see what comes next. Thank you. Next, I'll be ready for what comes. Yeah, no, that what you just said is to me is the key. If you told me six weeks ago, yeah, that Dana Holgerson was leaving for Houston, I would have been blown away. I'd have been blown away. I would have been hurt. I would have been embarrassed. (laughs) I'm I'm dead serious. Um, but a lot changed. We went from 31. Think about this, Jeremy. We're up 31 14 to win the Big 12 in Stillwater, and we lose, and everything's been downhill since everything we lose to oklahoma will decides he's not playing 
Yadi decides he's not playing. Gary Jennings gets hurt. Marcus Sims. All of this stuff happens in this six-week period. We go out and crap the bed in the bowl game. Yeah. And, and by, by the way, when did all this start? Think about it. People are like, oh, this has been in the works for a long time. Maybe the, in the works, but the final, you know when the final decision was made? The bowl game. The final decision was made after we lost to Oklahoma. Mm, I don't know. I think because I think the game is too quick of a turnaround. No, I, I don't I don't agree. And here, here's the reason. If I, we don't won that game. Went to the Big Twelve championship and then won the game. It changes everything. The moment we did not have a chance to win the Big Twelve, Big Twelve championship is what sealed it. That's you're saying it. What do you mean sealed it? When you say sealed it, what what was sealed? Sealed. We're going a different direction. So you believe that he was fired, that we decided to get rid of him? I think it was half and half. I, th- I think Because that's my thing is I don't think this was a sealed decision because I don't think Shane Lyons decided this. I think Dana initiated this trying to, to give himself some leverage. Yeah. And what's, what did seal it well, is – What did seal it is – extensions don't start three or four weeks. This has probably been a – They start whenever an agent dis- – I mean, first of all, we heard before I that – I feel like this was already on the table. Like, not, yeah, no, they've been talking about extensions for a while. Like they all felt this culminating when they lost – the Big 12, when they, by losing to Oklahoma, not making the championship, is when Shane was like, I, I'm not giving you another pass. But I'm telling you right now, Jeremy, one of the things that I, that I was – that somebody said – one of the things one of the things I was just talking to I was talking to a radio executive who's also very connected, and he said the biggest thing is you have to be able to sell hope. You have to be able to sell hope to a fan base. Yes. You have to be able to sell hope to and donors. I mean, to, to, to boosters. You sell hope. Or if Jack Allison comes out and throws for 400 yards and your offense looks like a juggernaut without your best players, and you can look and say, we have a future, and Dana built it, and you won nine games. But but think about it. You won nine games. You beat a nine-win team, and you do it with style, and this is your future. you got two years with this guy. He'll be here next year, and he'll be here the year. It's possible. Then, that, to me, then you're able to sell something. The problem is, after the bowl game, what do you sell? Not only did you did not only did you lose with your best players, not only did you blow your chance when you had it, but now we don't even we have two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. One you didn't trust enough to play him, and the other one threw for less than fifty percent when he did play, seventeen to thirty five. So to me, that is that to me is the difference because I know for me I felt different after the ball game because you're saying you. So Jared, I, oh, Jared, on, you're telling me but, three points but, is but, the difference. Three points is yes, the difference. Yes, because that means you're going to go to the Big Twelve championship and could win it. I agree. You're telling, but me, you're telling me that Dana, the speculation he didn't even get on the plane uh, after the bowl game. You mean to tell me with right after the game all this happened in, in a, a uh, you're, no no this, this has been in the works. Jeremy, he has an agent and he has connections to Houston. The booster is giving him twenty million dollars to assure them. That I'm he, saying I'm I'm saying the writing was on the wall after the Oklahoma nah, loss. I, 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 I feel like that. I, you can feel like that if you want, but you're saying a blink of an eye is easy. It's all it is, is a text message. I, hey, I want to come back to Houston, and then that starts. Once you don't make the big, I think it's the the fact that you you keep falling short. And not making the big 12 but I, but think about how, but so so if that's the case if that's the case I got a problem with Shane and I'll tell you why you're three you're one play away from going to the Big Twelve championship and you decide you want to change your whole future well, then then you better have a home you better have a Dabo Sweeney you had Will Greer you had your quarterback finally at West Virginia you also had six you, as, you've had two years we brought in Spab for you to work with Greer and paid him nothing and, but we brought him in for you. This was your chance. This is what. No, I'm gonna go get my guy. Yeah, or all, you, you can say that, but then Shane Lyons is a football guy, and he knows that you had six of your seven best linebackers out. You were starting your third string middle linebacker against also Oklahoma. Also, look at the past, but that's 
you add in the past eight years, Dana's been here, and then you get Will. Yeah, and in the past eight years, you've got had two 10-win seasons, and this year he was literally one. And if you want to be, if you want to make it this way, one bad call away from winning the Big 12 in the regular season. And to me, if you're willing to change, because to me, the one thing that I think is underrated in college football, amongst fan bases, and you and I agree on this, is stability and consistency. This is true, but here's the thing. You know how ADs, just like head coaches come in, they want their guy. But that's why, again, I say I question Shane because you're willing to upset the apple cart. And, you're willing to upset. And, and you're right, but I'm just saying Shane comes in and he decides, you know what, I'm going to let you have your chance before I come replace. And then here you have two years where you're supposed to have this all-American quarterback and do something and at least make it to the Big 12 championship. And you don't, you're out of time. I'm going to go find my guy before I get fired too. Yeah, you better have a guy then, because if you if you got a guy if you got a guy who's one play from winning the Big Twelve, one literally one play from winning the Big Twelve, you better have your home run, and, I, and there better not better. be no coach or search either, because <laughs> Houston just announced their coach. They announced their coach last night. Yeah. So since you were so sure that that Oklahoma game is a reason five weeks ago, yeah, or four or five weeks ago, and you were so sure at that point, your guy better be signing on the line tonight. I, I look or to, or yesterday. No, it no, it was on Shane the moment he decided. If you if you believe if your theory's right, then the night of the Oklahoma game. I think, I think when he first came, he wanted his guy. I agree. They all they, and he decided to allow Dana to get a shot. They all want their they all want their own guys. I agree with that. But if you're going to upset the stability of your entire athletic department, if you're going to give up your recruits, if you're going to lose these recruiters like Doug Belk, who's killing it in. Yeah. And, and, and Ty- Tyrone Carey, who's yeah. got receivers like Winston Wright and Ali Jennings, who already said they're leaving, then you better have it. Your they guy. Y- they, announcement coming. <laughs> Winston Wright on Twitter. You, what do you think, what's that mean? Look, you know, so all I'm telling you is. You better have your, your so, exes. exes so if one play was the difference for Shane, if one play meant I don't trust you for the one future. One play was a cherry on top of you had your chance. But if that's the case, then you, you fine. Then you then you got your chance, Shane. Yeah, that, that, that's right. Then that's you got right. your chance. That's why I'm and and, and also, and there is no mercy, no excuses, no forgiveness, because you've had five weeks. Yeah. If, it, if it was now, granted, I don't agree with Jeremy. But if what Jeremy's saying is true, you've had five weeks to do this coaching search. Five weeks, and, you've and people because you've had longer than that because you have to have your eye on something. You always have to. Every AD has a short list, and if you don't, and I have a high level source. When I asked, I said, is Shane Lyons ready for this? Do you think he's prepared for this? You know what the answer I got back was? One word, two letters. No. Well, I have a high level. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> my- and when I, say a high, when I say I have a high level source, I mean I have a high level source. I'm not just running my mouth. I don't get on here and break news. I'm just telling you, the guy said no. Now, the thing about the guy saying no is maybe he's wrong. Maybe he doesn't know what Shane knows because Shane's not playing all his cards, which is what I prefer. I prefer my AD to play his cards close to his vest. So I'm not sitting here telling you Shane doesn't know what he's doing, but I'm, I am saying he better, it better be a home run. Be right. So that being the case, Jeremy, who do you think's the next coach? That's funny. Because you hear names floating around. So who? No, I hear names floating around. The dude from Troy. Let's uh, talk about Neil Brown from Troy. Uh, so I googled him. Somebody said Neil Brown from Troy. And I googled. They, but they've been talking about Neil. They've been talking about Neil Brown for a while. Dude looks good. My matter of fact, watching him, I was getting excited. Like Neil, Neil Brown. Thirty-one and eight. I'm kind, of, I'm kind of irritated you brought up Neil Brown because I, I wanted to save him for last. That's the only one I know. All right, the only one Neil I really Brown know. won 31 games in three years. Beat? Neil Brown beat LSU. That's right. At LSU. Neil Brown is 3-0 and in bowl games. Yeah. And Neil Brown is paid $810,000 a year. That means Tony Gibson makes more money than him. Yeah. You go look at a guy like Josh Heupel, whose name is also being floated around at UCF. Just completed an undefeated season, yeah, albeit, but, albeit with Scott Frost players. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, for, but for Josh Heupel comes from a winning pedigree. He was a All-American quarterback at mm-hmm. Oklahoma. I would need to see more time to see what he can do. I agree, but you won't even need that, Jeremy. You know why? 
Why? Josh Heupel's buyout is ten million dollars. We're not getting Josh Heupel. Okay. Yeah. Nix him from. I, I don't, not interested in exactly. Either. Not only we're not interested, but he. No way. People are floating Gibby too. I've heard people floating Gibby. There are people floating Gibby, but nobody. Nobody. No, no sources floating Gibby. I've. I've had. Fan, I've heard fans floating Gibby, but I've not heard players for sure. Terrell Chestnut put something out. David yeah. Long said something. Kaiser White talked about it. Um, Osita Smith, I believe. A lot of the recruits are saying it. This is our guy. We already have our coach. The players want Gibby. Yeah. I always am cautious about when players want to want a coach because we remember Pat White's plea for Bill Stewart, and in my opinion, in Jeremy's opinion, that was not what was best for the university at that time. Hey, you, you navigated that well. But what I'll say is, but you know how we feel about Gibby. People call us Gibby homers all the time. Gibby knows this state, and people will say, "Oh, you don't." Need, I'm not. I'm not trying to be like Michigan, where you say you have to have a Michigan man. But West Virginians, we are funny about. Who's in here? Dana got flack for so long for not being from West Virginia. Dana got flack for so long for wearing the black. Gibby gets it. He's from Boone County. His dad was a coal miner. Gibby's been around this program, not just this stint, but he was here with Rich Rod before. I feel like I feel like when I said I was casual about Dana, I was unattached about Dana. When you if you get a Mountaineer man, a guy from West Virginia to coach for West Virginia, I'm gonna feel more attached. Does that mean he's the right man for the job? No. I don't know. But I am telling you, I will feel more attached. But I but I'm giving you the reason. Gibby knows the lay of the land. He knows the top donors. He knows the boosters. He understands how to raise money. And raising money, as much as people don't want, raising money is as important as recruiting. Oh, yeah. Oh, because yeah. if you don't have the facility, if you don't have the money, you can't build the facilities. If you don't have the facilities, you cannot get the players. Like they say, if you build it, they will come, right? So that's where I am with Gibby. He understands that. Gibby also understands the university because, like I said, he was here before. He's connected to former players. So a lot of the stuff that you've had happen where Dana was not on the same page as Pat White or Steve Slayton or some of the other players. You will not have that problem with Tony Gibson. So there's an alumni factor that also. The other thing I like about Tony Gibson is he understands the administration. Again, he's been here with Gee before and now. He And, of course, he knows Shane Lyons. Um, so those things to me are important. The other thing that's important to me is I like stability and continuity. And Tony Gibson gives us the best chance to keep guys like Doug Belk, Tyrone Carrier, um, uh, Capone, who's been, who's been an excellent safeties coach. Um, and, you know, uh, I don't know if we keep Wickline. I think he's going to go. I think Carrier and Wickline are going with Dana no matter what. But I also think Bruce Tall. Bruce Tall is a guy we can keep, and I like what he's done with the defensive line. So, I mean, the, you know, you look at all these guys. I, I, Markel Blackwell, I think our best chance to keep everything intact and to keep our recruiting class intact and to be able to get the JUCOs we've been talking to is to get Tony Gibson. Yeah. That said, it's probably not real likely. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't see that. Another guy people are talking about is Dan Enos from Alabama, the offensive coordinator at Alabama. Yeah, yeah. My, the thing you look at is Shane Lyons has a connection to Alabama. That's true. Obviously, he's got a good relationship with, with Saban, so he, w- he would understand, he would know what he was getting. And I like anybody who's been in the system with, 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 uh, with Saban. You look at what Kirby Smart was able to do. You look at what Lane Kiffin's done at, F, uh, at, at his new school. You look at, even though it wasn't great this year, but you know before... Then you look at uh, Kirby Smart at Georgia. Immediately goes in and does what, what Mark Rick couldn't do. But my was say is, we have all this elite, top-notch, five-star talent. Sometimes it's hard to evaluate guys, especially if they. But you can't. But well. the thing is, it's hard to teach a winning culture. It, no, it, but Enos is fifty years old, and he had a losing record at Central Michigan, including a losing bowl record. I, I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't. I don't want him. I, I, and I'm not saying I don't want him like I hate him. If we get him, I'll be upset. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if I'm choosing, okay? If I'm choosing. Backtracking, you know. No, but even worse, people are mentioning Rich Rodriguez, Jeremy. A little bit. Until we die. 
Until we die. If he I'm can't. Retire, they be like, yeah, hey, yo. Really? <laughs> you can probably coach basketball. What about Doc Holliday? Doc Holliday coming? Jeremy, no. For, let's go back to Rich Rod. <laughs> Rich Rodriguez. Rich Rodriguez will never coach at WVU again. Billy Hahn told a story on the final forecast when he had this issue with players who got accused of rape. They were, ended up being acquitted back in the 70s, I believe it was. It might have been the 80s. Um, and they asked if he sued the school because they fired him for not reporting a rape, even though the players eventually were not convicted, which means it wasn't actually a rape. So they asked, did you sue? And he said, you go look at the history. No coach who sues a university ever gets a job anywhere. Rich Rod tried to sue WVU. There was all kinds of legal issues with Rich Rod. So on top of how the fans feel, on top of how many donors feel, yeah. Rich Rod will never be back at West Virginia University. Yeah. Also, um, Rich Rod has pending issues with Arizona because of sexual misconduct. Everywhere he goes. Rich Rod just signed a deal to be the offensive coordinator in Mississippi, which is not me- that doesn't mean that you can't move, can't make a deal because Manny Diaz agreed to be the te- Temple coach two weeks later. He's a coach at Miami, sure. but there's just all these roadblocks. Rich Rod's not the coach. Yeah. Then I heard somebody say Butch Jones. Stop. 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 Butch Jones had the trash can at Tennessee. Okay. <laughs> Stop. He couldn't win at Tennessee with all that money, all that prestige. No. Then Jeremy, you're you're, you're making a joke about Doc Holiday. But there are people literally saying, Doc Holliday, Jeremy, people are saying he can recruit. He knows the program. It's true. Those two things are true. He can recruit. He knows the program. program. You know Gibby makes more money than him as a head coach. Um, So he'd be a steal. That said, Doc Holliday's at 61. At Herd Hater, what you think about Doc? What you think about Doc, Herd Hater? But Doc Holliday's 61. Um, no, not no, no, not no, not no. Doc Holiday. Uh, somebody also, somebody, somebody on Twitter said Dave Wanstat, Jeremy. So let's go back. So my choice, if I'm picking, it is not even close. Like I told you, it's Neil Brown. It's Neil Brown. It's Neil, and and, I'll, and to give credit, Smoking Musket has been on Neil Brown before anybody else that I knew. They were the first ones who saw that, and that's when I first like really investigated him. He, like I said, 31 games in three years, 3-0 and in bowl games. He makes a measly 810,000. There's all kind of like articles about do you know, how kind of great coach he is. Like, do you know what else I like about him? I do. I do know. He's 38 years old. He's young. He's, he's young. 38 years old. So he's young. He's had success as a head coach. And he's not going to be really expensive. I don't think we're going to be in a bidding war with anybody because Miami already hired their coach. My only problem with him is the same thing that you have with every coach that comes to West Virginia who is – I don't want this to be a stepping stone job. It, but it is a stepping stone job. It is. That's the thing. It's like, it's like, that's what was so terrible about Rich Rod. He was supposed to stay. That's why Rich Rod. just going to be a stepping stone job. Neil Brown comes in. He kills it for three years. We're talking about how great he is. He's getting taken by somebody. There's no way, there's no way we keep him. No way. And people are like, you don't know that. And that's, the, and that's, it, look, I'm not saying I don't want Neil Brown, but that's one thing about Gibby. If Gibby comes in and kills it. Gibby's staying. Gibby will stay. Gibby's a lifer. I'm tired of the stepping stone coaching, coaching tree. That but I, I, I'm sorry. I'm willing to take it. Um, because I think Shane Lyons understands the same thing that we understand. Shane Lyons is not a guy who's been stuck in West Virginia his whole life. He's been in the ACC at a high-level position. He was at Alabama at a high-level position. Shane Lyons understands how the world works. So if he hires a guy like Neil Brown, he's not going to expect him to be a lifer, and he'll have, again, a short list and a plan. If, he has, if, if he's worth his salt, if he's worth his salt, he'll have that. And to me, you take success when you can get success. The other thing that's good about Neil Brown, Neil Brown played under Hal Mummy. He's been a disciple of the Air Raid. 
So you can come in and you can sell Winston Wright. You can sell Ali Jennings. You can sell um, the other players who are already on the roster that we can do. You will still be able to play the game that you were promised when you committed to West Virginia. However, he runs the ball. And he runs the ball. This is a bonus. Yes, yeah. he runs the ball. He's not committed to the air raid. Like, he's not one of those. He's not your Mike Leach type air raid guys. He's adapted the way that Dana did with in 2016 with, with uh, yeah. Skyler. Like, yeah. every way around it. If Neil Brown is not our coach, I'll be upset. Some people talk about Seth Littrell. Like I said, Seth Littrell, again, losing bowl record. I'm just not blown away. Yeah. I, for me, it's not even close. you got to take Neil Brown. He's young. He's already been successful. He understands how to be a head coach. Um and that's who I think you got to go with if it's not Gibby. And you know the RBK loves Gibby. So to me, it's Gibby or Neil Brown. Red me, boys! Hi, how's it going? My name is Pat McAfee, former ball kicker for the Indianapolis Colts and the West Virginia Mountaineers. You are listening to the Raspy Voice Kids, the greatest podcast on earth about two years from now, whenever the rest of the world finally catches on. Okay, it's that time. It's Jay and Fiend here with I All Save Pitt. Brandon Phoenix, and we're back at the Coaching Royal Rumble. Now, last week we did the Big 12. Yep. The fans voted Mike Gundy. Yep. b he picked Matt Campbell. Yep. He picked Matt Rule. Uh, we'll see who goes through to the next round. But this week, we're on to the SEC, and the crop of coaches here are a lot more stout than the Big 12. I mean, there are so many dudes in here. Now, unlike, I mean, we should have guessed because it's the SEC, but unlike SEC in football, Alabama ain't winning nothing. They ain't winning nothing. They ain't winning nothing. So you would think. So you would th- Okay, okay. He has something up his sleeve. We're going to look at these coaches. We're going to go down. We're going to first start with Nick Saban at Alabama. We got Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. Dan Mullen at uh, Florida. Kirby uh, Smart at Georgia. Gus Malzahn at Auburn. Will Muschamp at South Carolina. Chad Moore's at uh, Arkansas. Mark Stoops at Kentucky. Joe Moorhead, Mississippi State. Jeremy Pruitt representing Tennessee. Derek Mason at Vandy. Mark Luke at Ole Miss. Ed Orjahan at LSU. And Larry uh, Odom at Missouri. I, I believe you mean Matt Luke. I, I told him. I said, Matt Luke. No, no. The, the other Matt Luke at Ole Miss. Right. It was his brother. You're talking about his brother. <laughs> Matt Luke at Ole Miss. All right. Let's start. Let's start. With, let's take these two at a time. Let's start with the top. Top of the cream of the crop. Nick Saban, Alabama, Jimbo Fisher. Well, here you got two West Virginians, Jay. So that right there gives them an advantage because we know West Virginians are tougher than the vast majority of the people in the United States of America don't add us or do add us. We don't care because we're tough because we're from West Virginia. I will tell you, Jimbo Fisher talks too much. A dude who talks that much that fast probably don't want to fight. He's trying to get out the fight. Jimbo next. Nick Saban, on the other hand, he's listed at five foot eight, much closer to five foot six, probably wears lifts in his shoes. But have you seen him on the sideline? The anger that he breathed? He's like a fire-breathing dragon. The other thing that's important to remember, this is the Royal Rumble, Jeremy. Fire-breathing dragon. Jeremy, are Royal Rumbles about straight-up fighting? Or are ro- Royal Rumbles are tactical, Jeremy. And one of the things about Nick Saban is he's typically smarter than everybody in the room, and he has a plan. He had a plan for Kyler Murray. He'd have a plan for the Royal Rumble. And most importantly, as much as I love him, Nick Saban is willing to cheat. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it takes, there would be a chair under the mat. He will have an assi- there will be an assistant bringing him a two by four. He would have cheerleaders distracting the other the other participants. Nick Saban is willing to do whatever it takes. So while it may look immediately like he's too small to win, Nick Saban he's got to be considered. I, you, I felt like eliminating immediately 
Jason. No. I do feel he's crafty. Like, even though he's small, he has that like Michael Corleone factor. That 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 yeah. cold, dead stare. Yeah. Stop asking, because I'm not going to talk about it. Because I'm not going to talk about it. That being said, too old, too small. Those are my answers for both of them. And Nick said, and Nick said, was seventy years old. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So old. stop, and also stop asking to come back to West Virginia. But anyway. All right. Next two. Dan Mullins uh, from Florida and Kirby Smart from Georgia. Kirby Smart, um, I just don't think he's tough enough. I listen to him talk. I don't. Now, I'm not saying he's a weenie. He's not a weenie, but I, I don't think of Kirby Smart as the kind of guy I want. Dan Mullen, on the other hand, Dan Mullen is the kind of guy I want pulling tree stumps with me, pushing cars out of ditches with me. Dan Mullen is the kind of guy who's thick neck. True. Yeah, Dan Mullen's the kind of guy you want in a bar fight. I think Dan Mullen's he he's a good representative. He's a good possibility. And Kirby Smart, I don't think he's going to be one of the first guys out. No. I think he's going to toss a couple people. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going with either one of them. I, I, don't, I don't think that they quite live up to the bill of being tough enough. I mean, they're relatively small guys. Um, yeah, we'll go with the next two. Gus Malzahn from Auburn. Will Muschamp from South Carolina. Gus Malzahn's a nerd. He wears glasses, but not cool ones like me. Out. Don't let the glasses fool you. That's where I was going. This dude is big. He's 6'4". Big dude. Look, sometimes when people play play the game, they're, sometimes they play the car. Glasses mean nothing. Sometimes I say, look, what is the jacket? If I'm wearing like a, you know, a suit jacket to go uh, to a meeting or something, is it the suit jacket that's fooling you? Is it the tie that's fooling you? Because I can take them off. My dude right there, he can take his glasses off and get to work. He's bigger than most of these coaches. Gus Malzahn is out of my realm of possibility, but I, I hear what you're saying. What, what do you think about one of them Stoops boys? Mark Stoops. Well, well, wait, we didn't go. We didn't talk about... Will Muschamp? Yeah. Oh, my bad. Go ahead. Will uh, Muschamp, South Carolina. Uh, Will Muschamp's a weenie. Next. <laughs> <laughs> I just seen him in press conferences. I see his face when he gets asked tough questions. No, nah, I want to talk about. It. I want to talk about. It. I want to say. I thought maybe like, like, like secret legal nah, kind of size. No, nah, no. Nope. Next, let's go on. All right, Chad Morris, Arkansas. Oh, one of the Stoops boys, Mark Stoops. Nah, I think Stoops boys are tough. Me too. They come from Youngstown. They got that Rust Belt, belt mentality. Um, you know, he's got that. He's got he, again fire breathing. Like, Fiery, yeah, fire yeah. Bob, uh, Mark Stoops. He's he's not a bad choice, especially when you Absolutely think about him. Absolutely, boys kid. I mean, voice is horse. Yeah. Yeah, no, Mark Stoops, I feel like can be in consideration. Um, but I, so yeah, I mean, of those two, that's who I'm and going Chad with. Chad Morris is small. I mean, he could be scrappy. He could be scrappy, I, but I just don't know if he has enough size. But yeah, be. yeah. All right, the next two: Joe Moorhead from Mississippi State. Too old. We're not even going to talk about that. Way too old. And Jeremy Pruitt from UT, from Tennessee. Is J- Jeremy Pruitt real? Jeremy Pruitt is a Nick Saban guy again. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt is a straight shooter. Doesn't talk too much. Jeremy Pruitt seems like the kind of guy that punching your throat before he says a word. I think Jeremy Pruitt actually could be a candidate. Yeah, I'm not gonna throw him out right away. I, I think Pruitt, um, he shows that toughness and the way he talks to his players and, yeah. and just just that that real grit, that real grime. Like Jeremy Pruitt will put him in the mix. Yeah, we'll wait till later to find, find out where we're picks. going. Look, I don't know who he's gonna pick. He doesn't know who I'm gonna pick. So this is it's a little little game. Of, I'll, I'll be honest, this is easy for me. I knew before we even started. Like I knew already. Yeah. Simple. <laughs> Derek Mason from Vandy or uh, Matt Luke from Ole Miss? Um, Matt Luke's a big dude. Matt Luke makes some scary faces and pictures. If I got to pick one or two, I'm not picking the dude who coaches Vanderbilt. Okay? Have you seen the dude coaching from Vanderbilt? No. <laughs> not recently. First of all, he's black. 
Don't worry, I'm going to give you time. Go ahead and look. look uh, let me see. Let me see. This is my bad. See, let me see. You keep talking while I look. Derek Mason, when you kept saying this, I didn't contest. I said, please don't be that out. <laughs> no, I feel like it's not a contest. But Derek Mason, I'm going to let him rethink. He, that's my no, opinion. no. I still, I'm telling you, I still don't think it's a contest. I mean, I don't care what this dude looks like. I, this is easy for me. This is so crazy. Let me see. Let me see. Oh, yeah, I see Derek Mason. Derek Mason, he ain't, he, Jeremy ain't that big. No, nah, he ain't that big, but he, like, he looks relatively in shape. Like he's yeah, better he's than in shape. Exactly what I, nah, like, I'm a, Younger dude. He's younger, that helps. All right. Well, well, Matt, I'm not saying he's a sucker, by the way. I ain't saying he's a punk. What, what about Matt, Matt Luke? Big dude. Matt Luke's a big dude, so. You know Matt Luke enters the, the ring going over the top rope with one leg. Yes. That's Matt Luke. Yes. Matt Luke, if he had a signature move, it'd be the choke slam. He's yeah. a yeah, Matt Luke's a big dude, and the other thing is it's not just about how tough you are, it's how easy are you to get out of the ring. And Matt Luke would be a big task to get him over the ropes. Yeah, if we're really boiling down to that, that you know, I was talking about you know, just straight up fight. But all right, no, no I got you, you said it was a Royal Rumble. I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, you just said you step over the top rope with one leg, <laughs> then you're gonna say <laughs> I'm trying to give you I'm trying to give all you right, a little All right. All right, last two. Ed Wardron, LSU, or Barry Odom from Missouri. There's no reason to talk about Barry Odom. When Ed Orgeron is being discussed about fighting. Okay. Ed Orgeron does not only eat alligator, he kills them with his bare hands, fries them over an open fire, and then says grace in a way that no one at the table can understand before eating the alligator he killed. Ed Orgeron, thick neck, thick chest, Ed Orgeron, about to fight the referees because they didn't throw out a UCF player for a crackback block during their bowl game, Ed Orgeron. He is a raging Cajun, and I ain't talking about Louisiana Tech. Ah, he, he's a stud. He's definitely got that old man strength. Keyword being old, 57 years old. That's not that old. We're going to go with our picks because I'm about to get into it. It's, for me, without question, it's Coach O. I knew it was going to be Coach O. And 100% y'all know, Coach O. <laughs> by the way, you guys will figure me out. I keep leaving all my, my picks to last. Yeah. Coach O is 57. Now, he's, he's a good old boy. Like He, he could get down to it. But he's 57. My pick yeah. is Barry Odom from Missouri, 15 years younger. Google. I'm going to let you Google him. I know Brady ain't oh, even brother. looking good. Dude, dude I, could, I look, run, took one look at his lats and realized this kid is still in the gym. That dude is probably benching 350 pounds. The kid is 42 years old, 15 years younger than Ed Orgeron. My pick yeah. by far, by far, I had to look his name again, is Barry Odom. <laughs> Barry Odom's a stud. No, straight thick up, nut, straight thick neck, up. big traps. Um, he wears his pants too long over his sneakers. That tells you right there he's not worried about how he looks. He's mostly interested just about business. Um, but if you look right here as he's shaking Kirby Smart's hand, he's not as big as you think he is. Oh, man. Barry Odom's oh, not very big. Man. Barry Odom's not Oh, even, man. It's Ed Orgeron, and it's not oh, close. Man. I promise. I looked up to try to find his height. They wouldn't show it. All I saw was a few pictures. Then here, Brady shows me a picture of him no, looking no. eye to eye with six foot Kirby Smart. No, no. Ed Orgeron wow, is your choice. Wow. As I said, two weeks in a row, I've proven myself the winner. No, no, no. Last week, I won. <laughs> two weeks in a row. Matt rule. Matt rule. If this was a Royal Rumble, I'd have already thrown Jeremy out of the ring twice. The SEC is over. Coach O is the choice. We'll let you guys make your debate because, like we said, for the Big 12, it's Matt Rule. Matt Campbell or uh, Gundy. I'll put that up as soon as we're done recording this. And this one, we're going to go Ed Orgeron. Who are we going to go? Mark Stoops? We're going to throw Mark Stoops out there? No, I, I mean, you you pick yours. Ed Orgeron's mine. Yeah, you, yeah. You're going to go back to Derek Mason then? No, I'll stick with Barry Odom. You stick with Barry Odom? 
Man, that ruined my whole time. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, you just got to do better with your Googles, Jeremy. You just got to do better with your Googles. Derek Mason. We go Derek Mason. Okay. At Ordron. What was those Jeremy Pruitt? That'll be our poll for the SEC. Or we can put saving in because people like that better. Put saving in. Saving, Orgeron, and Derek Mason. But get ready, because next week we start on with you, the ACC or Big Ten? Big Ten. Big Ten next week. Get at us. Hail West Virginia. Hail West Virginia. Podcast Network.